Our church had a worship, Sunday worship service in which all the children participated. And one boy, about 10 years old, I'll call him Robbie because that was his name, prayed. And he read his prayer, and everyone knew that his parents had written it. Instead of saying the word beseech, he said, be search. Lord, we beseech thee. No 10-year-old uses the word beseech. In fact, no adult, even those for whom English is not their first language, ever says beseech or beseech. Except in prayer. Beseech and behooves and bestow only show up in prayers. Nowhere else. Honey, thanks for the gift that you have bestowed upon me. Son, it behooves me to ask you to clean your room. Friend, I beseech you to not use words like behoove or bestow. We don't need special words to pray. We don't need a special vocabulary to pray. Pray like you talk. But perhaps we need help to pray anyway. Prayer can be hard. When the disciples observed Jesus praying, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he responded with what we normally call the Lord's, the Lord's Prayer. It's not a rote prayer that God expects us to recite word for word, even though it is sometimes helpful for us to do that. But it's a pattern for prayer. We address our prayers to our Father, one who loves us and provides for us and disciplines us. But he is a God in heaven, which means he's a God who created and rules over everything. We come as children and worshipers. Today we come to the third phrase in the prayer, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. This is a request. It's not a statement. Hallowed is your name. It's a request. Lord, please let your name be hallowed, be seen to be holy by more and more people. Let more people bow before you and declare that you are Lord. Let those who do not honor your name come to do so. John Wesley said of this phrase, put it this way. May you, our Father, be truly known by all intelligent beings and with affection suitable to that knowledge. May you be duly honored, loved, and feared by all in heaven and on earth, by all angels and all men. This is our greatest priority. This is our most noble pursuit. Greater even than seeking our own well-being or the well-being of those we love. And that's okay because God will never glorify himself at the expense of any of his children. God will never hallow his name and not at the same time act in a way that is in our best interest. And vice versa. It is in our best interest to honor the Lord in all that we do. To not tarnish the reputation of God. So to seek first the honor of God is our number one priority and our most noble pursuit. It is good to give thanks to the Lord 
to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning, your faithfulness by night. It is good. And so Jesus starts his prayer in this way. Of course, this moves us off the center to say, hallowed be your name is to say, hallowed be not my name, which also makes for better songs. Praise the name of Ken. Ken, all for Ken, doesn't have the same ring. Our culture and our media demand that we make ourselves the center of our universe. There's money in it for them because they are the center of their universe. So we're all at the center. It's pretty crowded, but there's only room in the center for one. There is a God and you're not him. We're not the main character in the story of our own lives, let alone the story of history. A year ago, my kids listened to an audio book called The Story of the World. It did not mention God. So while it was a history, it was not a true story. God is the main character in history. How will it be his name? This is the first this is a chief request, not only in prayer, but in our lives. Three quotes, all having to do with this line in this prayer. Andrew Kivenhoven, the best evidence of conversion is a rearranged life in which God has first place. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, there is no principle in connection with a Christian life that exceeds this in importance. And Matthew Henry, on this we fix our end, that God may be glorified. All our other requests must be in subordination to this and in pursuance of it. Father, glorify yourself in giving me my daily bread and pardoning my sins. Other requests do matter. Intervene in this situation situation or please enable this person to come to faith or please help the flames win or please don't make them win but all these have the honoring of God's name as their end their goal so what is your end when you pray does every prayer have an undercurrent of a desire for the reputation for the honoring of God's name when you pray for healing, or for your boss, or for rain. I heard a woman this week who prays fervently for her child. In our prayer is your desire also for the honor and reputation of God's name. What is God's name? God has lots of titles in the scripture. El, which means God, Elohim, which means the mighty God, the majesty, the fear of Isaac, Adonai, small L, Lord, Holy One of Israel, and of course, Father. Now, to hallow the name of God is to honor his character and virtues as reflected in these titles. Prince Charles has many titles. Prince of Wales, Earl of Chester, Duke of Cornwall, Duke of 
Rossay, Earl of Carrick, Baron of Renfrew, Lord of the Isles, Prince and Great Steward of Scotland, and of course, His Royal Highness. But his name is Charles Philip Arthur George Mountbatten Windsor, which explains his titles because they're all far easier to remember and much shorter. What is God's name? When Moses stood before the burning bush and God called him to go to Egypt and free the Israelites from slavery, Moses asked him, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God answers, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. That's his name. I am. I am who I am. I have titles. Dad, husband, mister, pastor. But my name is Ken. God has a name. I am. I am who I am. In the Old Testament, the Jews often referred to God as the name. They were not willing to pronounce his name, even for fear of blemishing or defiling it or taking it in vain. And by the way, I don't think that to take God's name in vain is to use God's name as an oath or a swear word. Oh my God or oh Lord though I think that is inappropriate. I think to take God's name in vain is to attach God's name to actions that are not of him. To go on a crusade in 1200s and rape and pillage in the name of God. Or to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God, when you know full well that you will lie in court. I had a guy, a pastor, Tell me some time ago that God would, God would heal me by the end of the month. That he would take my tumor away entirely. The Lord told him so. Well, obviously, I wasn't healed. The tumor is still there. I think he took God's, vain, God's name in vain. He didn't hallow God's name. He used it loosely. In the Old Testament world, someone's name was not just a means of addressing a person. It was closely tied to the character, to the reality of the new person. God gave a people a new name to assert the new reality of the person. He changed Abram to Abraham, which means father of nations. He called Solomon Jedediah, which means love of the Lord. Simon to Peter, meaning rock. To misuse God's name was an affront to who he is. And God's name means who God is in totality. All that is true of him. When we sing, blessed be the name of the Lord, we do not mean blessed be the letters that make up his name, but blessed be the Lord himself. And this is what the Old Testament means when it talks about the name of the Lord. The honor and reputation of the one who is called by that name. Psalm 23. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Isaiah 52. My people shall know my name. In that day they shall know that it is I who speak. Here am I. 
Joel 2, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, i.e., everyone who calls on the Lord shall be saved. Hallowed be your name means hallowed be your unchanging character. Those things that are those things that are true about you, which are true and are true and will be eternally true of you. Make your person to be honored as holy throughout the world. The name of the Lord, that is the glory and reputation of God the Father, was Jesus' great priority. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this purpose I have come to this hour the hour of his death. Jesus had a greater priority than even his own suffering and death. Father, glorify your name. When he prayed on the night of his arrest, he said, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. That is, his disciples. In other words, I have made you known to them. The reason Jesus came to earth to walk among us was that he could make God known to people, to honor, to hallow the name of the Lord. That's why before even his arrest, before he suffered and died and rose again, he could say, I've completed the work that you gave me. And he would even give up his life to that end. And because he did so, because he was obedient unto death, God exalted him to the highest place. And hallowing God's name needs to be our priority too. Polycarp was a second century bishop of the city of Smyrna, born even before the end of the writing of the New Testament. And in the year AD 155, during the persecution of the Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius, some soldiers were sent to arrest Polycarp. And after offering them a good supper, he prayed with such devotion that several of them were converted. And when commanded to renounce his faith in Jesus and to swear allegiance to the emperor, he said, Eighty and six years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. How then can a blaspheme my king and savior you threaten me with a fire that burns for a season and after a little while is quenched, but you are ignorant of the fire of everlasting punishment that is repaired, prepared for the wicked. And then he was executed. He hallowed the name of Christ. When the, when the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew into Greek, the Jews had a problem. How do we translate God's name? I am. How do we taste God's name revealed in Hebrew included in the Greek version of the Old Testament? We can't just transliterate it because that is to change it. So what shall we do? So they hit upon the trick of substituting it. And they used the word kurios, meaning I am. And we do the same thing. In our English translations, we substitute Lord, all in capital letters. Whenever we see that word Lord, it is a substitution for the name of God. So in the Greek, 
translation of the Old Testament, when the readers saw the word kurios, they would know that it was the name of God. I am. Greek kurios and English Lord are substitutions for the name of God. Now, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2, where it says that God exalted Jesus to the highest place. Verse 9, after describing the earth, describing on earth the work of Jesus, we read, Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed, I know, I know, bestowed on him the name that is above every name. What is that name? Is it Jesus? He already had that name. So to sing Jesus' name above all things isn't describing the reality of this verse. So what is a name above all names? What is a name that God the Father has given to Jesus? God bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at this name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is curious, Yahweh, he's Lord. That is the name, the name that the Jews would not even speak aloud for fear of defiling it. The name that God revealed to Moses, I am, that's the name. That's Jesus' name. Isaiah 44, written 800 years before Jesus' day, verse 6 says, Thus says Yahweh, the Lord, the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. I am the first, I am the last, says the Lord of hosts. Jesus says of himself in Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, I am the first and the last. Isaiah 42, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I will not give to any other. In the New Testament, Thomas said of Jesus, and Jesus accepted it, my Lord and my God. And Paul, who says, Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Jesus Christ, who is so intimately related to the Father that we rightly call him one, and refer to them not, not as they, but as he. He is Yahweh. He is Kyrios. He is the Lord. So what does this have to do with us? It's very simple. To hallow the name of God is also to hallow the name of Jesus. For us, it's all about Jesus is more than just a slogan. It's reality. It's how things ought to be. In fact, I would say that the church's number one priority is to, I would not say that the church's number one priority is to honor the name of Jesus. It is the church's only priority. That is why we exist. Nothing else matters. That's why we're here and to ask God to hallow his name, he does that through his people. He hallows his name through us. We are the agents of his name being recognized as holy throughout the world. 
So we don't have conflict over non-essential things. But we don't have conflict not just to protect unity, but to protect unity in order to not tarnish the reputation of the name of Christ. How much of the cause of people's rejection of Christ is Christians fighting with each other over things on the periphery? We fight, they flee. We are united in love, they come. We reach out to our neighbors, not for the sake of the outreach program of the church, but so Christ will be rightly seen as a God who loves. You have a conversation. You maybe walk their dogs to give them some much-needed downtime. Take a moment to talk as you put out your garbage and you're at the curb at the same time. All in the name of the Lord. We stand up under hardship, not so people will be impressed with us, but to draw attention to the one who carries us and is our God. We don't call ourselves Christian and then do things unworthy of the name of Christ. To say Christ is Lord at home, but to be in perpetual conflict within the family. To say Christ is Lord at work, but to model laziness, gossip, and the cutting of corners. To say Christ is Lord at church, but to model apathy and pettiness. To say Christ is Lord of our own lives, but to indulge in criticism, in lust, in gossip, in self-gratification. These do not hallow the name of the Lord. Christ and Lord, but not today. God forgives, but not this time, not me. Christ is Lord, but I better make sure I've got a plan B. Hallowed be thy name. And so he does through us. The Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 122, reads, What does this request in the Lord's Prayer mean? Hallowed be your name means, help us to really know you, to bless, worship, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth from them. Your almighty almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means help us to, reflect, uh, to direct all our living, what we say, think, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. That is why the church exists. That is why we live. That is why I am on this earth to hallow the name of the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we beseech thee. Hallowed be your name. Amen.